0: The Simon Filer Podcast, giving authors a platform. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Verity White joins us today. Verity's new audiobook, Create Contracts Clients Love, is out now at all your favorite online retailers, including Audible, Google, Apple. Verity's aiming at giving the layman relief when it comes to writing and signing contracts people can actually understand. Welcome to the Simon Filer Podcast, Verity.
0: Hi, Simon. So lovely to be here. Thanks for having me along.
1: Oh, thank you so much for your time as well. It's been such a pleasure working with you and finding out... Uh, a lot of various information that's hopefully going to make a lot more sense now to the layman when it comes to contracts. Now, I've no doubt that many of us have had to sign legal contracts for a bunch of different reasons, but you're revolutionizing the industry with your concept of changing the lengthy legalese jargon to insightful contracts that are easy to read and easy to understand. So, thank you first up. And I'm sure oh, you-
0: you're very welcome. I, I definitely love doing it. There's not many people that can truly say they love contracts, but I really do. And I think that if we uh, change contracts, we can change the world in uh, lots of
1: small ways. For sure. So when and how did the realisation come to you that, hey, you know, we should try and make these shorter?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was when I was a junior lawyer and I was, this is kind of showing how old I am now, but used to have to take big stacks of documents back even when I was a paralegal. And you would have to tab them up with these little sticky notes and run around to the executives and get them to sign and they'd miss a spot and then they'd be up in Sydney. So you'd have to wait till they'd come back. You'd run around and sign it up again, take it and then scan it through. And one of the sticky notes would get stuck and like jam up the copier or the, the scanner and you'd have to do it all again. It was just this Absolute schmozzle and so I thought there has to be a better way than this. And I started investigating electronic signatures. And then when I we started the electronic signature process, I was like, actually, I think we can redesign the documents instead of just mechanizing these kind of crappy contracts that we already have. What if we started to redesign them so that they were easier to uh, sign, making them more efficient? And to start with, I was just interested in efficiency. I was like, let's just get this done quicker. Then I started to see some complaints that might come through uh, or some negotiation issues that would come through. And I was like, "Oh, actually we could clarify a lot of this and then we don't have to have all these negotiations because we're agreeing to it anyway. So just, just a few different ways of, you know, lenses and mindsets that shifted for me when I was working on the contracts and just staying curious, I suppose, and thinking, actually, there could be a better way and then being able to see the results so that when I did redesign the contracts how smoother everything went, how fast they were signed, the great feedback we got from customers. And and so that was just kind of what kept me going. (laughs) And Mm. now I've built my business around it.
1: Yeah, awesome. So did you start doing that with someone else? Did you come across all (laughs) these issues?
0: Yeah, so it was when I was... Working in house, so I worked in telecommunications for ten years at different companies. Uh, most recently at Telstra for five years before I started my own law firm, and I was doing a lot of redesign projects, you know, for the basically the whole ten years. <laughs> But uh, I didn't really know what I was doing, I just thought I was kind of making things better and then I found out, oh, there's like a thing called plain language and there's a thing called legal design and contract design and, and visual contracts and there's all these amazing things that you can use to make contracts and legal documents better and Then I started looking at service design because contracts aren't just documents that kind of pop up out of nowhere. There's a process behind putting them together. So this whole idea of putting them together and smoothing out the process, I got a lot of practice at it in-house when I was working my corporate legal role and found that um, could see the benefits that uh, that were being had. And so, yeah, that's what I decided to build my business around, redesigning contracts.
1: Awesome. My so law firm, I should say. Yeah, your law firm. <laughs> so that's yeah. so cool, girl boss. So, <laughs> yeah, that's
0: right. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. So tell me how that all kicked off and when you decided, yeah, you know what, I'm going to take this and run.
0: Yeah, it was I was – I mean, as much as I love working in corporate legal teams and love working in-house, there was a lot of, you know, you do have to do a lot. You don't get to be as innovative as you might otherwise want to be and you get constrained by, you know, politics and whatnot of working in a large corporate. So uh, I had quite a few opportunities where people wanted to pay me money to redesign contracts and I wanted to let them pay me money. And so it just got to the point where I thought I I think I can have – the, this big impact that I can have, which I was kind of holding out for that I could do at a large corporate because this idea of a redesigned contract could be then, you know, two million people could then be on this amazing redesigned clear contract. Uh, I thought, actually, I'm maybe I can have that impact and do that through my own business. And so it just got to the point where I wanted to do things my way. And um, yeah, I guess I just, I don't know, I guess I just felt like it was time because it had been 10 years in in in-house at telecommunications companies. And um, I'd done a little bit of it on the side as a bit of a side hustle, but now it's over a year and a half that I've been um, having my own law firm and it's just been amazing being yeah, able to work with so many clients, so many different contracts and... Yeah, just seeing the impact that this has in diff- all different industries has been amazing.
1: Yeah. Do you think it's more beneficial for the people that write it or for the people that are actually reading it? Ooh. Like, the, like the, the layman, like me.
0: It's a it's a good question. Yeah, the layperson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, the, I think it's, I, I definitely think it's both. One thing that surprised me, or well, used to. It doesn't anymore. It used to surprise me that the a lot of lawyers don't fully understand their own their own contracts that they're using. Wow. So and and it's through no fault of their own. They have a lot on, and there's they use a precedent and a business lives and breathes contracts on the buy side and the sell side of whatever they're doing. And there's often clauses in contracts where. The lawyers are like, I don't even know why we have that in there. And, you know, we don't – does anyone know why we need this here? So wow. so it's quite interesting from that perspective. I think contract design is super powerful internally for the people who use the contracts because if you understand your contracts, you understand your business. I think it's amazing that it makes it um, really ripple through – everyone else that interacts with you so that they are able to understand it more clearly. I think if I had to pick, I would say it's more impactful internally, because if you internally understand your contracts and they're really clear, there's a lot of benefits like increasing conversion, reducing complaints, reducing disputes, uh, you know, internally, your salespeople are able to answer questions more quickly because they can read the contracts yeah. so they don't have to go to the legal team. So I think it's pretty impactful internally and the journey that you go through with redesigning a contract means you do have to engage lots of stakeholders. So you might go to your salespeople and say, hey, what are customers saying about our contracts or what are they complaining? You can complain team, what are they complaining about um, or on the supply side. What are suppliers negotiating all the time and how can we improve it? So there's a lot of really powerful stakeholder engagement that you can do when you do a contract redesign because it touches so many parts of the business, depending on the contract you're doing. So I think internally it has a lot of impact as well as hopefully externally.
1: Yeah, well, I've recently been through something where I needed a lawyer and the other side's letters that were sent to this lawyer he was like this is like archaic this is like yes come from the ark, and you don't need this or you don't need that do you think it's a growing thing where people are starting to change from what was written in the 1800s or whatever to
0: yeah I think that um you know the cool lawyers are uh so I suppose it <laughs> You're just an depends innovator. on where people are at There's, and and honestly, there'd be lawyers that would look at the stuff that I write and they would say, oh, that's, you know, not simple enough or there's not enough visuals. So there's always, um, there's always degrees and depending on the clients that I'm working with, they might be more ambitious with their visuals or with their language. They might have more of a tone of voice that they're going for. So for example, one of my clients is the consumer brand who gives a crap. And so they, their marketing is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're a toilet paper brand that just own everything that they do. So they're <laughs> That's cool. totally happy to go to town with their brand of voice in their contracts and be a little bit quirky, uh, whereas not everyone is interested in that. And so, But a lot of lawyers might not be comfortable with that approach and might say, well, this is kind of risky to put emojis in a contract. So I think it depends on how... I think there's definitely a movement towards it and hopefully some AI, I know everyone has to talk about AI these days, will help because there's a lot of push for, you know, simplify this clause using AI. Obviously it's not perfect yet but uh, I think it's inevitable that people will be expecting simpler advice and simpler outputs. It's amazing that clients have put up with it for this long Mm. but I think... um, especially corporate sophisticated clients are pushing, you know, this, this long-winded advice, we don't want to pay for it anymore. We want simple, digestible, easy to understand information and everything is going more visual. The popularity of things like TikTok, uh, where it's short bite-sized videos, Yeah, I think just goes to show that that's what people are getting used to. So as the older lawyers you know, go out to pasture, (laughs) then I think um, younger lawyers coming in will hopefully be taking a more modern approach. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be part of it. I'm happy to learn some tricks from the younguns as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly, it's very quickly sort of moving ahead as well. Um, so, one of the things I learned from doing your book was the fact that we 're transitioning firstly just from paper to digital, or well, that 's what mm. you 're kind of saying, "Hey, can we do this because <laughs> everything else seems to be doing this so yeah, definitely,
0: and I think most businesses, especially large corporates and you know um, government organizations, are always talking about digitization and and this idea of transforming businesses. But I think if people now have this expectation that things will be digital to begin with, and that's why I always say with any contract design project, you have a look at the legal content because, yes, you want your contract to have the right legal content in there. Mm. You want to have the document document, looking and feeling the way that you want it to. And that document doesn't have to be an A4 piece of paper. It can be on a website. It could be an audio. uh, It could be all kinds of different approaches. But then it's the contract process as well. So it's the process, the document and the legal content that all work together in perfect harmony, hopefully, because the process that you might want to have your contracts signed And that's generally going to be a digital process. Like who wants to run around and get something signed on wet ink? There's very little – there's only very limited circumstances where you might want that these days. Obviously, check the laws that apply to your contract. But uh, in most instances, electronic signature or click to sign is going to be the approach that you want. And taking that digital first approach with most contracts is going to be the right approach because it's going to be more efficient and means that things get signed quickly.
1: Mm. Well, thanks for explaining that. That's very cool. That we're moving towards that, hopefully quickly. And now the star of the show in your book is the reverse sandwich contract. <laughs> your trademark. Yes. That's yeah, that's <laughs> you just explained that. It makes really good sense that basically what you don't need this whole big giant thing. You just need to have the meaty bits on the outside.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's and I still you know, this is one of the first things that I thought about. How do I I was trying to explain to myself, because I was going through this process when I was redesigning. I didn't really realize that I was redesigning contracts, but when I was redesigning contracts to be easier to automate, uh, I was like, okay, well, there's things that stay the same in the contract and there's things that change. And, And often the things that change in the contract, are the good bits. They're the bits like anything with a dollar sign nearby that's like important or anything that changes, like how long the agreement lasts for or when you'll get paid or things like that. The things that change are often really important commercial terms. And so they should all kind of live together so that you can easily update them, but so you can easily find them because that's often what you need throughout the life cycle of the agreement as well. It's not just about signing it and then chucking it in a drawer. Um, So yeah, so the reverse sandwich contract approach is all about taking your squished up sandwich where you can't see what's inside it, opening up the sandwich and seeing what's kind of going on there, what kind of fillings you have, how much bread you've got, getting rid of the things you don't need. So get rid of some of the carbs, get rid of some of the fillings or sauces you don't like. Then reassembling that document um, so that document sandwich, so that you've got the tasty things that you really want on the outside, and kind of your standard terms—a a little bit of bread, but it's like really good bread, right? It's not—it's not some gross, you know, manky white old bread,
1: bleach bread, uh, and then just
0: refining <laughs> it over time, so you've got this reverse sandwich contract, uh, as opposed to a squished up, you know, bread heavy, boring don't know what's in that contract. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that reverse sandwich sounds much better. So mm. your, your book, we, obviously you were writing contracts while you were working with corporate and um, refining them and then you decided mm, I'm going to write a book or I'm going to get my own business happening. How did that all come to par? Yeah, the book. I'm thinking about it now because
0: I, I would love to write another book and obviously have you create the audio version oh, again. Um, but... It's, I'm like, how did I do it last time? I think I must, maybe I had more time. I don't know. (laughs) It feels like it is tricky to find the time. But I just started trying to explain some of the processes that I was using and started to map out the different elements of my approach. And I think from there, I just kind of got carried away as if I was explaining it to myself, you know, two or three years ago before I'd started doing it. And so from there, it was originally an ebook that I started writing the book as. And I would actually had a boyfriend at the time when I was writing the ebook, and he and I mentioned to someone I was writing an ebook, and he said, "Don't don't tell people you're writing a book. You sound like an idiot." And I was like, "Oh, what? do I?" Like I was like really <laughs> taken aback. And I, I'm glad felt he is, He's like in the past. <laughs> he's definitely in the <laughs> past. And so then. So once I'd done the book and then I was like, actually, I'm going to do a hard copy book and just be like, yeah, I am writing a book. I've written a book. Here I am. And now again, I've got the audio book now. So it's kind of it was a, a nice little, I don't know, something about that just made me want to really get it done. Yeah, so I think if there's any anyone who is wanting to write a book or do an audio book, I highly encourage you to focus your fire <laughs> and get it done, yeah. find the time and get it done because you'll feel – wonderful once it's done it's it's you forget how great it is to have it done and dusted and be able to hand it to people and say here's my book have have a copy of my book or you know someone has bought a copy of my book randomly in another country that I've never met which is lovely yeah
1: yeah rewarding how long did it take you to write?
0: I think I was working on it, on and off, you know, working full time, uh, at the, you know, at the same time uh, over four months or so. Wow. Then doing the hard copy update, I think probably took about the same time again as we were moving through. Getting it typeset and getting someone to do the manuscript assessment um, so that I could have someone with fresh eyes that had never heard of reverse sandwich contracts before <laughs> and see what, whether it made sense to anyone um, before we did it in the hard copy version. And yeah, so, I, and then I think the audio version was pretty easy to get done as well. It just was, just, it's just about finding the time, I think. It yeah. doesn't take too long if you can carve out a little bit of dedicated time.
1: Yeah. Well, we had a conversation, I guess, about a year ago where you said, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it this weekend. And <laughs> <Yeah>. then <laughs> So you recorded it like... (laughs) Better (laughs) late than never. Yeah. So generally I work with authors that come in here, but we had a chat and you said, I've got all the gear here, I can record it here. So um, Mm. obviously we did eventually sort it out time to record it. How did you find Mm. the recording process there, you know? Yeah, I didn't
0: mind it too much. It was interesting for me because where I am at the moment is at my coworking, uh, co-working office that I have here. I have a dedicated desk at the Commons and in Melbourne, and they have a podcast studio. So I recorded it all and, and was thinking that it sounded okay. Um, and then you picked up some white noise, which I'm very glad you, obviously you're the, as I said um, before, you're the queen of quality sound. So we, we, we always trust someone with um, quality sound. And I was like, oh, this means I'm going to have to re-record all this other stuff. But anyway, it was worth it though because – but I actually – and I don't know if it will come through on this – on the podcast or whether it was my my laptop was kind of overheating and kind of like whirring away or if it's the lights that were mm. buzzing or some. I'm not sure what it was. Um, but anyway, so I re-recorded it in the dark just to be sure it
1: wasn't the lights. And you I never told me that.
0: Yeah, I, I just had like a little light so that I could see and – um and, yeah, so the recording process I think it was fine. It's just especially if you've got access to a studio with the, you know, microphones and everything so it can feel organised and professional. And yeah. I just used Audacity, which I was familiar with. I think it probably helped having a bit of a radio background. So I was familiar with some of the bits and pieces of audio recording But uh, yeah, it was just that one little step of I had to come into this podcast studio and figure out how their decks work and try and understand how I would record it, which if I had had have done that a few months earlier, it probably would have been a bit of a Kickstarter for me. Um, So yeah, it's just figuring out, okay, can I record this? What's the sound quality going to be like as the first point? And then once I knew I had it down, then it was fine.
1: Yeah, it's really, your delivery is so personable in the book. It's really engaging and, you know, you kind of feel like you're driving people saying, come on, you can do this. Just, so I really like your delivery. So you worked in radio. Tell me a little bit about it. If you've got time, let's talk about that for two minutes. That's my background. Well,
0: worked, volunteered. No one paid me to do anything in radio, (laughs) but um, but yeah, I, I was studying journalism One of many of my previous lives to law. I was studying journalism and then I was volunteering at a community radio station producing The Drive Show, which was a lot of fun, just reaching out to record labels and getting music and bands to come in for interviews and coming up with fun things for them to talk about, which was a lot of fun, really enjoyed it. Then I started my own show that was all on about Australian music, so that was lots of fun. And then uh, it kind of just became a bit too much effort once I moved to Melbourne. So it was, it was based down in Geelong where I where I grew up, uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was such a, a wonderful time of my life back yeah. before pre-law. Yeah, uh, So
1: it would have been cool if was... I had kept it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, so did, is, I was going to ask you that, you know, well, my background, I wanted to be famous and the closest thing to me, I can't sing, was getting on the radio yeah. and doing that. So that's Perfect. what I did. But I kind of <laughs> always, you know, was pursuing that. But were you p- doing a journalism degree to begin with? Were you pursuing something like that? And how did yeah, you end up in yeah. law?
0: Well, I, I uh, did the journalism uh, one one semester, which I did not unenroll from and had to pay for a semester of university, which I did not attend. And then uh, I think it was, I was doing a Bachelor of Business. So I've got a Bachelor of Business, a Bachelor of Law. And I, yeah, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I should have done law straight from the start. I don't know why I didn't. Uh, But anyway, it probably worked out for the best. (laughs) (laughs) Probably worked out for the best. But yeah, it was, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was just I don't know, I ended up doing law because I was quite interested in it. Uh, I felt like the analytical side worked for me. I like the rules based and the, I like this idea of giving people a fair go. I don't know if it, the law actually helps with that <laughs> all the time. But I think that idea of fairness is something that I've, I've always had. And maybe that comes through to why I like making clear contracts because if mm-hmm. things are balanced and clear – I just think th- that concept of fairness is one that's um, really close to my heart. I think just keeping things balanced, fair, even makes
1: sense wherever oh, we can. That sounds amazing. Everybody wants to have you on their side as a lawyer. <laughs> and have yeah, well,
0: except for the people who want to screw over... <laughs> the other side, I suppose.
1: Yeah, you're not doing that. That's good. <laughs> how, how exciting that you've done the book. You've got the hard copy, you've got the ebook and you've got the audio book. So there to the X. <laughs> yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. <laughs> and a workbook. There's a workbook that goes. With yeah, it. that's right. So people can link <laughs> to listen to it. So would you recommend other other lawyers or anyone writing contracts or anyone that wants to understand a contract read your book? Who needs to listen to the book?
0: Uh, Yeah. So I think I kind of talk about it as it's great for lawyers or anyone who works with contracts on a regular basis. So any kind of commercial contracting professionals, uh, who are interested in different ways to approach legal and business documents because uh, I always thought oh only lawyers will be interested in this but after having you know the manuscript assessed and a few other people who'll be like, oh this is actually really good for you know just general business. So uh, but yeah it was intended to be paralegals, lawyers or contracting professionals who are kind of a bit frustrated with the way contracts are currently.
1: Awesome. And where can people find you Verity? Checklist they legal. can find
0: me on, yeah, Checklist Legal on Instagram, on LinkedIn. I'm Verity White on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, I'm always kind of running, popping up at all different events uh, around Australia. Doing a, I'll be in New Zealand next month for Law Fest. Uh, so yeah, I get around. <laughs>
1: Fantastic. And what about, you were mentioning before you do a podcast, you said, I've kind of not done it recently, but um, yeah. have you got old reruns? Are you going to get back into that? Yes, well, it's all it's um, amazing
0: evergreen content on the podcast, so you can listen to it anytime. but uh, yes, I'm hoping to carve out a little bit more time again to get that uh, up and running so probably more of an interview basis, I think this time as opposed to me just sharing so it was very contract focused for the first um, kind of ten episodes and then there's an episode of me presenting at a Legal Tech Fest. So, I think some more interviews with amazing people who are being a little bit rebellious in the law. So, talking mm. to other, some legal
1: rebels. That sounds exciting. Hopefully, people, yeah. People changing the lay of the land. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've got to shake things up a bit. Yeah, exactly. Hey, it's been so good talking to you. You're awesome. I've loved working with you on your book. Congratulations on the release and, you know, for your business on the up and up. Checklist Legal. Thank you so
0: much, Simone. It's been lovely chatting with you and working with you. Uh, It was such a great process getting the book done and dusted as an audio version. You know, I listen to audiobooks all the time. So it's just that little thrill of happiness when you get to see your own audiobook there pop up in amongst your audio library. So yeah, thank
1: you for all your help. My absolute pleasure. It's been the bomb working with you. I think you're (laughs) inspirational and Yeah, I wish you all the best of success, not only with the book, with the business, and hopefully down the track we can have a chat again in a a year or so and see where you're standing with everything.
0: Yes, a book a year. Why not? Hey,
1: (laughs) you're going to be a busy girl, podcast book business. Look at you go. All right. So awesome. Have a good day, Verity, and chat with you soon.
0: Thanks so much. Bye for now. Thank you. Thanks for joining the Simone Filer Podcast. What's your story?
1: Contact Simon for a chat at Brisbanaudiobookproduction.com.